Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? Well, I just found a Aspire Racing sticker on the bottom of my foot, so it's uh, old memories there, I guess. Which I suppose makes a lot of sense as you are finally heading back to Europe to do some race coaching at Mountain Bike World Championships in, actually, you leave tomorrow, so by the time people are listening to this, You'll already be over there. Well, I guess, yeah. If, if all goes well, we'll see. Lots of hoops to jump through, but uh, yeah, we're getting back to that, so that's exciting. And uh, what have you been up to over the past week? Well, I think we're going to have to do a whole podcast about this. Not Just what you were up to over the last week. I was thinking we really do need to talk more about our training. Every so often I think about that. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you do actually want to know how we're training on sort of a daily, weekly, monthly basis, please you know, pop over to the the comments on Instagram or wherever and let us know. Uh, I've actually, I finally did a hill interval yesterday that was awesome. Uh, We have uh, the Blue Mountain Resort is uh, right here in Collingwood, right near Collingwood, Ontario. And they have this challenge going up one of our absolute favorite climbs. Uh, So yesterday I had a 15 minute hill interval uh, to start my workout or to start the workout portion of my workout. And so I, yeah, I rode my bike over, then I warmed up for a mile and then I hit it. So at the moment I have the fastest women's time. I'm sure it's going to get toppled very quickly. We have a lot of fast women in town. And now that I've sort of put the gauntlet out, I think it's going to get destroyed quickly, but now important, you know, our last episode was about embracing discomfort and we talked about, you know, doing repetitions and accumulating minutes. So was your workout just the 14 minute or whatever it was interval? First of all, thank God we did that episode because let me tell you, I was thinking about it the entire time I was going up because it was not comfortable at all. Uh, but no, so I did that and then I actually went down the hill and I had to do uh, six by 90 second intervals after that. So finished that up and then, yeah, cooled down for a couple miles, popped back on my bike and pedaled home. Nice. So that was solid. Yeah, it felt really good to, you know, I, I said, I remember six weeks ago, I, was, I posted about this on Instagram. A few weeks ago, I was at this awesome massage therapist's. Uh, Fox Integrated Therapy, if anyone's in Collingwood looking for a great sports massage. Um, And he had actually asked me if I was going to try the Apple Crusher Challenge at Blue. And I said, absolutely not. Like, I don't think my knee is really there right now. I don't think I can do it. Uh, And at the time, I was just barely getting back to running after having the, you know, left knee issue for a while. And it was, I just didn't think I was going to be able to do it. But I took the time off. I slowly built back up my mileage. I actually have done the the PT exercises that the physio recommended, done sports massage. I've been stretching every day. You know, I, I actually rehabbed it appropriately. So it felt really good yesterday to, to go up and do that. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. It's a good message. It's good to see things progress, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we were chatting with a friend who's also having some knee stuff a actually a few weeks back and he was like oh how are you rehabbing your knee and I was like well I'm taking time off he's like okay but what else could I do instead of that take time off 
Yeah, I think it was something you mentioned a couple physio things. And I said, well, also, she's not running. And that just seemed inconceivable. So pro tip, sometimes, like we said last week, with the discomfort, sometimes the discomfort is going to come from backing off. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, leaning into both of those types of discomfort these past couple months. Right, right. Yeah. Anyway, um, sort of moving moving on from that, I am really psyched about today's guest. Uh, so I sort of stumbled across Joanna Magic uh, just sort of through various work stuff. And she is a creative director, DJ. She has an awesome app where she does playlists for uh, fitness classes. She teaches fitness classes from boxing to spin and a bunch of other you know, just kind of general, not crossfit stuff, but like high intensity kind of things. Right. And this episode is not just about her life as a consummate athlete, although we do talk about that. She's a former snowboarder and downhiller and all the extreme sports uh, turned. She actually announced at the Vancouver Winter Olympics. Right. Uh, and then she got into DJing and started DJing the kind of, we'll call them the hipper fitness events. So thinking like the Lululemon Seawees half marathon out in Vancouver, that kind of thing. Uh, and now she does sort of all of those things. And we talk about the balance of DJing at night and teaching fitness classes in the morning and working all day and how she makes time for her own fitness, how she, you know, hits the club and stays healthy. When right. You're... So maybe some transferable lessons for all of us as consummate athletes and people doing lots of things in a busy day. Yeah. Honestly, a couple of her tips. I was beside myself because I thought they were so good. Uh, the one about the printing out your training plan, I, I love. I know it's it's so strange when we have this phone app that can tell us exactly what we need to do. And, you know, we can pull up the website that has our training plan. But I love the idea of printing out our training plan and putting it up so we can actually see it physically in the house. And she actually sort of does that Jerry Seinfeld, like tries to check off all of the workouts and mm-hmm. it gives you a much better, I'd say monthly representation of what you've done. I know training peaks, the, you know, it turns red, it turns green. Um, but for some people, they need that more obvious reminder, whether you're putting it on your mirror in your bathroom or she sticks it to the fridge just for easy access. So, I absolutely love that one. Yeah, and we were talking about that maybe makes it more public too, right? Your family's maybe looking at it and, you know, then someone else is going to see that there aren't X's for today or tomorrow. So it's it's maybe a, a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also love, <laughs> you'll hear her say this, but I love when she talked about taking turkey slices into the club with her to DJ. It's like I always picture DJs as just chugging Red Bull and vodka and you know, partying hard and stuff. And it turns out that that is not really the case, especially for one who's also trying to maintain some level of, you know, high athleticism, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I personally love this because for years, I would say the the best thing I've ever done for myself is have some similar routines to that for bike trade shows. And I know a lot of people are getting back to those business meetings and business dinners where, there's just bottles of wine on the table and, you know, everyone's just sipping away and drinking away. And I always found it's really hard to skip the beers, skip the skip the wine and do all that stuff. Um, so I always found it was easiest to carry a flask that is filled with water and 
just say you had that and well i don't know if a flask is appropriate in many well situations. probably not at like a business dinner but right uh, it is you know perfectly okay to order you know kind of quietly you can order a club soda with lime and you know that's gonna give off the illusion that you're drinking while you're while you're not drinking if you're sensitive to not drinking i think sometimes we feel awkward being the ones not ordering the glass of wine or whatever but right yeah and they, they say now the some of the non-alcoholic beers are, are getting much nicer and i think you know that gin and soda or, or whatever something in soda often you know at least drops some of the calories if not the alcohol too so there's several solutions and then it also looks like a glass of soda you know if you just get soda water as the, the second and third and exactly. fourth exactly right and i think the idea the the transferable lesson here is when you're some one of those these people who are always at business meetings always out you know whining and dining so to speak uh, always at the club in, in this circumstance, you know, you, you sort of have to think of ways that you're not partying so hard every night because you're trying to go for longevity. Whereas the people who are just there for the weekend or, you know, okay, the reps in town uh, and they're going to take us out to dinner for this one night of the year, their party, you know, may be a little more extravagant than the person has to do that, you know, two and three, four times a, a week. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, should we get into it? Yes, let's do so. All right, enjoy this episode with Joanna Magic. So when someone says like, oh, what, do you, what do you do? How do you describe like everything that you're doing with your life? Um, I feel like I'm surrounded by people that do at least what I do and then some. So um, thanks for being interested. <laughs> Listener, thank you for being interested. <laughs> uh, I um. Well, I feel I'm like life greedy. I feel there's so many cool things to do with this short time that we have here on earth that I uh, like, I eat it up from the sports buffet. Um, I feel so grateful that sports helped me at a young age because it feels so important for, uh, especially for women's development, um, just the self-esteem and the collaboration. All the lessons I come from sport are so huge, but um, to answer your question, Molly, a little more directly, I love outdoor sports. And I've over the last 10 years, I've transitioned to more indoor sports, which to me means things like group fitness, boutique fitness, teaching fitness for people training uh, with weights, and which is so different from the first 20 years of my sports career, which were all outdoor adventure. So high risk, high reward, high thrill, very loose, very few rules rooted in surf and skate and snow um and so grateful for those experiences and yeah so uh outdoor indoor being active is stuff I love and music's always been a big part of that so um and I know we'll talk a little bit about music in this chat so um and I guess to qual qualify myself maybe we edit this part out qualify myself to, so to show your listener there's some sort of credibility here I um, took my love of sport into a career that gratefully lasted for about a decade and so I was competing at a high level in snowboarding and that transitioned to a career in sports announcing so um, I got a chance to work on some of the biggest events in action sports and outdoor sports I did host a few shows on OLN, did stuff for ABC, TSN. Um, I'd go into the bank and there'd be like our show playing at the, at banks 
this is so this is like early 2000s but um i was really big at the local banks for a bit the tv shows i was on <laughs> did you ever go to like do a deposit and we're just like that's that's me <laughs> there, there'd be like no one around but i wish that moment could have happened that would have been so cool of me <laughs> just like let me just sign this deposit slip so yeah. you have my autograph it's fine. that monthly fee i'm right there on your screen um, come on come on so uh okay yeah, hang on though how did ramble. you get into how did you get into the adventure sport side of things to begin with like what was the first sport that you did baton twirling eight years old molly that's where it all began yes <laughs> yes um I went through, I think a typical journey for most women maybe is you're into sports as a kid, your school structure is uh, around sitting down and then also recess and all the organized school sports. So that making, that sounds like such a boring intro. Like, yes, a lot of us did sports in school. And then I really was competitive. So I was competitive scholastically and in the gym space. And you had to collect little stickers for your accomplishments in school and I really wanted all the stickers. Um, so what began as a really kind of structured sports environment um, transitioned in my teenage years to be part of the unstructured kind of rebel sports. So to me, that was stuff like skate and surf. And one of the first snowboard shops in the world, this is very Googleable, um, the snowboard shop was two blocks from my high school. And this is the beginning of snowboarding, the beginning of snowboard retail. Um, so there was this store that happened to sell snowboards near, yeah, near where I went to school. So I just fell in love with like the Teenage Rebellion sports. It felt like freedom. It felt like adventure. It felt like sticking it to the man. And when you're growing up through the 90s, listening to I guess it was alternative music or punk rock. Like that's just where you naturally went. Whereas the more structured basketball or volleyball school track events were, were didn't have that same flavor for me. So it was just mm -hmm. very um, organic, you know, the, yeah. So that's how it, that's how it evolved. It just ticked so many boxes that I think you speak when you're that age. Yeah. And I mean, as a as a young girl in those sports, though, you must have been one of the only girls sort of in that arena. How was that? Did you even notice at that age? There weren't very many girls um, skateboarding or snowboarding for sure at the time. Um, however, looking at it now, there were there was a magazine dedicated to women snowboarding when I started and it had the fantastic name, Molly. Just get ready for it. I think it was called Fresh and Tasty. A truth. Yes. What a name. So that, fantastic. That yeah. So that but but it had a dedicated magazine and then fast forward uh, a decade or so and then Snowboard Canada magazine. I'm based in Canada, so I read Snowboard Canada magazine and there was one for women that evolved, but now all that stuff is gone. In fact the men's or the 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 non female publications are gone in snowboarding too so it's really changed so yes at the time I felt like not many women were involved but there were a lot of um, platforms for exposure and there was support um, every company wanted to have a woman on their team so there was a bit of an explosion of support and 
yeah, it seemed like every snowboard crew had their little sister um, in the gang. And so I guess that's maybe the space I fell into. I was also really bad at skateboarding. So I feel like snowboarding <laughs> was just sort of worked a little bit better for me. I'm so glad you said that because I, I often get asked that about cycling. And I'm always like, honestly, it probably worked out in my favor being one of the only women in the room because people were like excited about hiring female journalists because they needed at least one to say that they had some. So I got to fill that space. So yeah, yeah, I, I feel like I didn't have a huge issue with it whenever someone's like, oh, it must have been terrible for you. I'm like, actually, it was pretty awesome. There, there were a lot of opportunities if you like looked in the right places. So there's a similar movement happening in the music space right now with uh, DJing and with performing at festivals. The curators of these events try to have really diverse lineups right now. So whereas it was previously mostly um, white white guys headlining and performing, now you see a little more uh, diversity. So there's gender diversity, mm-hmm. racial diversity. So that's really cool to see. Nice. That's awesome. And so your your Instagram bio lists you as a DJ, producer, creative director, and everyday athlete. We'll get to the everyday athlete in a second, but just talk me through what like a day in the life or like a week in the life, if a day is just too hard to kind of talk through, what does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like I'm, again, surrounded by people that juggle a lot. So there's, I think just in general, our society has this elevated expectation of what people are involved with. Everyone's got a side hustle or something um, else that they that defines them it's not just one or two things so kind of uh, living in that space along with you and everybody else um, I but that's a great question does it drain me and I feel that I've chosen things that work well together that one fuels the other I've I learned that at a young age that when I was going to university um, I had my bachelor of commerce I was also competing in snowboarding heavily. And I, if I started to focus more on one than the other, I didn't have the same fuel and fire for life. I just jump out of bed way faster when I can have these two elements together. And that stayed true for, you know, two, three decades later, it's still the truth for me. Um, and if I was just constantly doing one type of work, so let's say constantly just running one type of business or being a creative director exclusively, the whole day, it would, um, that might be draining, but I feel like working in the music space is really complimentary and music fires all parts of your brain. So I feel like it's real compliment to the physical work I do and the physical training I do. Music um, trains my brain in, in other ways. So the two work really well together. So just finding what the listener, it's just finding you what works for you that balance doesn't work for some other people. They need to really turn off at a certain time. But yeah, I found the formula that works for me. Yeah, I can't even imagine because I know with DJing and stuff, that's all like later at night and I'm like a in bed at 830 yeah. person. So I'm just like, I, I can't even comprehend how this all works. Uh, so you've definitely got that on me. <laughs> Molly, my favorite times of the day are 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. I just feel like those are magical hours. Like 7 a.m. is like potential whole days ahead of you and 7 p.m. is like a nice wrap up. So I would love to DJ sets like at 7 p.m. like a sunset vibe. And then yeah, you end a little earlier. 
Um, but you're right. Often that's on vacation DJing. It ends at uh, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Um, yeah. So late nights. And so you have to be really disciplined in how you fuel and prepare for that kind of night. Um, I think a lot of, uh, you know, club goers or festival goers may assume that the DJ is in in it with them as far as what you're fueling with. <laughs> um, but but it's uh, usually that it's not the case. So I like bring specific snacks to the club and uh, it's turkey slices, guys. Just so you know, it's turkey slices and I Diet Pepsi just keeps me up all night. It, Diet Cola, shouldn't say the brand name, but um, it's very that, you know, just want to share the truth with your audience. That's usually the go-to or if I'm particularly drained, it'll be pre-workout drinks that's that's and try bringing that in a baggie into the club <laughs> I was just gonna say I was picturing a bouncer going through your purse and just pulling out your like lunchable turkey slices <laughs> just like uh what are these yeah it did in Toronto just before a pandemic I did have I don't want to carry like a big jar of pre-workout drink to the venue because it's it's cumbersome so I do put it in a little baggie and, and it's definitely, uh, so it, at this particular venue, they did pull it out and they didn't let me go in with it because it was just this random powder in a Ziploc um, bag. And uh, I'm like, it'll make you want to work out. And they're like, that also sounds wrong. Yeah. Ugh. I actually had one flight where I had a, ba- a little thing of spirulina open in my mm-hmm. carry-on and have security like going through my carry-on and let me tell you when you have an almost black very fine powder just covering all your stuff you look super sketchy <laughs> I was like no it's algae I sw- it's from the ocean <laughs> it oxygenates your blood I don't know <laughs> so funny yeah and it seems so normal to, to you but yeah. um, people have never encountered any of this stuff any yeah. of that lifestyle or nutrition. So that's really funny. Exactly. Did they let you in? They let uh, you yes, they did they let me through. Yeah, yeah, they confiscated my jar of spirulina though. <laughs> so, oh man. Darn it. Um, on that note though, that was the thing that I really wanted to ask you about is just the these like healthy habits that keep you under control when, I mean, your hours are sort of all over the map. You're, if you're, you know, are you still teaching classes like at the gym or? I do balance all those things somehow. I mean, maybe it's more like imbalance. You just sort of flow from one to the next. Um, so I do teach fitness classes. So I teach like a soul cycle type inspired um, spin class. Um, I run a lot and I have my creative director day job with kinetics. And then I DJ at the club and at festivals uh, the rest of the time. So yeah, I've got my nine to five, my five to nine and then some. And um, the to respond to that practically, I, a I don't have kids, so I have that bonus of time and energy. Um, you know, big big admiration to all the parents who are juggling it all. Mm-hmm. It's insane, <laughs> especially the artists that I know that do have kids. It's just they, they have a tough go for sure. Yep. Um, I don't think your listener will see this awesome face you're making, but I'm making the same one. Like, it's just crazy that time commitment <laughs> to the many humans. Um, but I do, I do do three things proactively to juggle that off. Um, one is I sweat in the morning. 
And anything after 11 a.m. is just a bonus round, whether it's teaching a class, working out with a friend or doing a group ride, it's bonus rounds, but the training is all done in the morning after a cup of coffee. Of course, uh, naturally. Do you work out in the morning? Are you a morning? I'm a, so I have sort of a similar thing where I get up and I have like a 15 minute routine that I do. That's just like sort of strength and yoga and core kind of stuff. And I do that the second I wake up and like, I do my actual training more at like 10, 11 ish, like before lunch. But I find like, as long as I've got that 15 minutes sort of in the bank, it's like whatever else happens during the day, at least I've done that much for myself. And it's like a pretty solid 15 minutes. So very similar situation. That's such a good point um, in that you don't need a ton of time to set your mind and your body upright for an amazing day because that small chunk of time will have this spider web effect on all you do the rest of the day. Your mindset, the decisions you make, it's, it's just so cool. And my wish is for people that have a hard time being active or getting out there that it doesn't take a huge amount of time. I remember being young and reading about Madonna's workout routine she had the best arms at the time as like a young, it was probably still does. Um, And she, the interview revealed that she committed to working at two hours a day. And I thought that was bananas, bananas. So, but now I kind of do that, but happily it's part of my, my profession in a way, but um, but 15 minutes just has such a big impact. So um, you don't need two hours. So, Okay, I love that you remember a Madonna thing because I always talk about the fact that my like initial knowledge of sport was or fitness was from Cher had written a book in the 80s. About working out? It was like Cher's Fit. Yeah, Fit yeah. for Life. It is the best book of all time. I talk about it constantly. It's one of my favorite books and it still holds up. Like not all like of good, it. Good, good or bad, good? A little bit of both, to be honest. Like some of it, okay. I read it and I'm like, you know what? This is uh, this is still fine in 2021. I'm still on board with this. Okay. Some of it's really weird, but yeah. So I, I really like that both of us got our original like fitness inspiration from awesome. <laughs> yeah. pop stars of the 80s and 90s. Um, I want, I don't want to derail this too much, but I would love to know what your top takeaway from Cher's fitness wisdom was, besides probably amazing outfits, really unique outfits. Yeah, amazing outfits, definitely high cut leotards. Um, Weirdly enough, Mm -hmm. I just remember her talking about how she eats a lot of watermelon to hydrate. And I don't know why that is like the one piece that really stuck with me, but it really, really did. Yeah. I mean, it's watermelon. She just took that and ran with it. Yeah, yeah. And it, honestly, it's sort of similar to the Madonna thing. It was just like the commitment that she had to staying healthy through right. like filming. Like, because they both did sort of everything, right? There was like filming and music and there's so many appearances, but they were so committed to that. I'm going to do this every day because that's part of the job. So right. I think that's like yeah. weirdly like. The consistency is what I took from it, which is a weird <laughs> thing to get from Cher, but she taught me a lot. <laughs> oh, bless those two. Um, so the first, so recapping, the first thing the out of the three that I that really ground me to balance it all is um, so I sweat in the morning, and then number two is I schedule it, and I just have a super basic printout on my fridge. The whole month's on there. And I cross off that I did workout one and sometimes there's workout one and two. And uh, did I meditate? And I do a workout called the hundreds. It's just something I made up. 
maybe someone else made it up and I stole it subconsciously, but you just do a hundred push-ups, hundred sit-ups, hundred squats. That's it. You do that three times a week. I love um, it. So you just check it off. So well, not easy, really hard, but like very simple for remembering. Yeah, I like that. That so that's a perfect segue. You saying it's hard is a perfect segue into the third thing, and it's this is the mind game stuff. So um, everything is hard, like to be, to stay disciplined, wake up early. That is hard. Um, but the result within 30 minutes or an hour, two hours is so huge. It's so good. Being out of shape, negotiating your way out of your commitment, feeling guilty, procrastinating, not feeling good. That is really hard too. So anytime you kind of, you delay the work the aftermath is much more difficult in my opinion. So either way, it's tough. Hard to wake up early, hard to feel the guilt later. So choose what makes you proud. Either way, either it's difficult, choose what makes you proud. I love it. Um, so wow. that keeps me going. As soon as I hear a negotiation with myself, like, ah, oh, you work hard on the weekend, just skip the hundreds today. I'm, I, I'm like, that's a negotiation with like my asshole self to like, <laughs> I gonna get it done self so um that's big so that's the mind that makes me so happy it's it's hilarious I literally just hit schedule on a post where I was saying why are we so mean to our future selves and we put so much burden on our future selves where it's like oh I'll do the hundred tomorrow or like oh I'll just do that workout tomorrow or you know future me will be much better equipped for this no, no they're not future you is just just you today if you're not doing the things so it got a little bit meta and I started getting into like, what is, what is time really? But the point is very much the same there. Um, and I also like that you print out the actual thing for the month and put it on your, your refrigerator. Cause I don't think people print stuff out anymore. And it's such a weirdly valuable tool <laughs> for stuff like that. Yeah, I find it when it's on my fridge too. So I eat a lot. I see that, that piece of paper a lot and it does feel good to cross it off. And also at the end of the month, you have a very visual reminder of how much work you put in. So if I don't have it crossed off enough, um, you start to see, oh, that's why I'm not getting the results I'm hoping for. That's why I don't feel balanced or strong or energized because look at my month. I missed it half the time. Um, so that's real. Yeah. Some people are like, I don't know why I feel this way. But if you get the data, you, you'll have a really great insight. Um, in that area. I also make a point at the bottom of the printout, and I'm sharing this because maybe your listeners will, will take this, and at the bottom of this printout, I know what my weak points are, so I've addressed them in positive language. So rather than saying, you know, don't eat sugary food, I'll write, remember that food is fuel, and you should choose the best fuel so you can have the best month or week, or the best energy for your ride, your bike rides, or so it has, it's always written in positive language and what the benefit is from making that good decision. Yeah. So I like to add that at the bottom. That's amazing. I will email you the screenshot later. So you have evidence. Please do. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. And when you're working out, clearly music is very important to you. Are you always listening to music when you work out now or... Do you actually like need quiet sometimes because music is so much your life? Uh, 
one time for everything I did had music around it. But when I do really focused creative work, I don't listen to music, interestingly enough, because I feel that I'm getting all the color and all the thoughts from what I'm doing in the moment. But there, when I am training um, or trying to achieve a certain fitness goal, music makes all the difference. So it, and I love applying music in the fitness space. And I think that's why it felt so hard for that like soul cycle type of spin class and why I ended up opening up a boxing gym where music was the driving force and teaching people a fitness skill through music. And maybe we can unpack that later. I don't want to lose people too early, but, but the scientific truth is that music really impacts your endurance and your intensity. So you're going to work longer and you're going to work harder with um, music curated right of course because music impacts your mood so much and um man there's so many great articles out right now about music because of people's changing pace during the pandemic also evolving science but during the pandemic people's tastes have shifted a lot some people needed more ragey music to match their mood some people needed more calm music that previously were really were into really ragey music to reflect their current state of mind so it's um it's such a powerful tool and it's one of um and and I am not a not formally educated in music I just have a long history with it and exposure to it I've witnessed the impact that it has on people over probably at least 15 years I've been DJing for over 10 coaching to music for at least 10 so those are so that's my credentials Okay, so back back to the impact on the people. Um, it triggers so many areas of your brain. That's why it's used in therapy. That's why it's used um, to to for for recovery too. Depending on what sort of um, illness has um, you're going through, um, it yeah really activates so so many parts of your brain that um, a lot of other things that we do don't don't do that. Um, so it's really powerful. Yeah. And I mean, all of that put together, you have this, it's club sweat fitness music. Uh, how did you come up with that and like got that going? I feel like I could just keep asking you about all of these different things that you do, which I I guess I am, but yeah. How did that one come to be? So the, I really enjoyed surprisingly as someone who loves music has been part of my whole life, whole life. Um, I love curating the music for my fitness classes. And I felt it was so important to take people on a musical journey to make their workout experience really optimal. So with the soundtrack played out right, people not only had a big sweat, but they also had this um, fully immersive experience and that shifted their mindset too. So what does all that mean? Um, if you're teaching a 6 a.m. class, you're gonna choose your first song as something more conducive to 6 a.m. to bring you into a groove and a flow than you would if you were teaching a 6 p.m. class. Um, And then the last part of class is sort of peak end theory, which applies to any immersive experience, whether you're in event marketing or music production. The last song has got to make you feel successful and like you've broken through a barrier. So usually that's my biggest energy song with the biggest message. Um, is at the end of class. 
So I took a lot of interest in building these playlists and curating these experiences for people. It made me successful in these classes. It helped build a real good community around them. Um, and that's not the case for every fitness instructor. A lot of fitness instructors don't have music backgrounds. They're really good at other parts of the class, connecting with people, building the program. And the music is a little trickier for them or they don't connect with it the same way. It doesn't have as much of an emotional response for them. And there's a lot of people out there like that. And I found a lot of people were leaning on me for guidance in that area. So I just found an opportunity in this space to take that work off them and I will find the music. I will curate it for you. And um, what's interesting about It's Club Sweat, which is turnkey playlist for fitness instructors, that's the business, is um, people are really open-minded. I think a lot of um, maybe newer instructors or people newer to the music fitness space feel like you've got to play the radio hits or the really easy to consume music styles but people are really amazingly deep and curious and I will play really weird ass music in my class. And I just feel like people are thirsty for that. They, they, they don't go to fringe music festivals or they're no longer part of the nightclub scene and they don't get that magical music experience elsewhere. It's hard for them to get that exposure, especially in North American culture and some other cultures, music is way more part of what you do like you meet your family and you dance um, or it's not strange to just go to dance as a 40 or 50 year old like it's just normal but in North American culture it's more associated with partying and youth so there's a bit of a different relationship with music so yeah this this amazing experience um, is is li more limited we don't get exposed to it as much after a certain age or lifestyle so in these fitness environments it's so cool like now I can expose a certain group of people to that. I think that's amazing because I have been that instructor in the past. I usually, I've never really like. Yeah, yoga. Yeah, yoga. And I've also covered spin classes. Like I, I'm spin certified, okay. so I'll occasionally cover them. And let me tell you, I spent so much more time trying to come up with playlists than I ever did figuring out what to do in class. Because what to do is very easy for me, but the actual playlist was like brutally hard. Because you're, you're realizing, you're, like, as I was trying to put it together, I was like, oh, no, what works for me is not going to, it's not good. Like, my playlists are not great. This is terrible. Like, oh, no. So, did you, Why did you think they were terrible? Or what was the hardest part for you? Well, so I guess actually to the point you just made, I sort of made the mistake of assuming my, like, the gym I was teaching at was much more, like, older audience. So you would have the, the 50s, right. 60s in there. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my like early aughts punk rock is not really going to fly with uh Don't think they're going to appreciate like the cabaret punk uh, soundtrack that's happening here. Or like on the flip side, my super lame Taylor Swift side of my my workout playlists. So I ended up with mainly, yeah, like I think I did like 80s classics for most of the classes I did, right. where it was a lot of like... Yeah, that would sound like it would work. Yeah, yeah. it feels, feels all right. Some Billy Idol in there. Yeah, a little bit of Springsteen. It's fine. Maybe like the Rocky theme for my my really up-tempo number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're right though too. Um, uh, I love it. I love it. That's your peak end theory, the Rocky. Um, yeah, obviously. That one, that's a good one. Um that it so on one side people are really open-minded but you have to kind of bring them there they're not immediately going to be open to some weird 
Berlin vibe or Burning Man vibe song or, or mood you're trying to build. And that is very intentional how I build my class. And I will verbalize it to people too. I don't know why. I just get so excited. I always say, we're starting at the club. We're going to Atlanta. And everybody knows all the songs. And then I pull them into the underground. And I say, I'm like, we're now going to the underground. But they're ready. They're so ready. Um, and then I also add the disclaimer, even if this isn't the music you connect with, it's going to make you work hard. And music has a pattern. And that pattern recognition is what makes people love music. It's it, That's what separates it from noise. And that's like a whole area of science that I'm not qualified to speak to. I just am into it. And I know a bit about it, but um, that, so yeah, that, that pattern, they get into it. Mm-hmm. They um, for, for go looking for the hits to take, be taken on this ride. Um, but music is heavily emotional so yeah if you are do have a class of people that are older 50 60 and you're using 80s music they're going to you're going to take them to some pretty great times in their life and they're going to connect with others so it's really build their community takes them back to some great memories because they know the pattern that pattern recognition they will work harder Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to increase their output all right, so yeah, money, money by Billy Idol was like a good move on my part. Keep all it. right, all yeah, right. excellent. Don't throw that away. <laughs> um, okay, same you... with DJing. Those things are very, very similar. Yeah, <laughs> reading the room and the crowd and and putting in Billy Idol if you need to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, you mentioned fitness skill through music when you were talking about boxing. Um, what the heck? Yeah. Oh, um. Right. So I'll just. I'll give you an example. So um, learning boxing can be tricky. There's a lot of um, coordination happening. We use combinations. So in boxing, the moves are sort of numbered. The punches are numbered. Um, So you have punches one through six. And they also have names like a jab would be one, a cross would be two. So when you want to teach somebody a combo, and have the whole room do it and it feels successful, it is hard to just say, do this move, do this combo, like a one, two, one, one. Um, It is easier to identify a beat, identify rhythm in a song and have people hit to it. So it's almost like when you're learning a dance move, like you repeat it a bunch, uh, at one point you don't even think about what you're really doing, like how everything's coordinated. Or learning how to drive, maybe that's more relatable to people. Like after a certain repeating of the pattern, you just can do all the things that you need to do when you're driving, like looking in your rearview mirror, checking the sides, like working your feet. All those things come together. So um, in boxing, in this particular business that was developed, um, I would use a song uh, that everyone knew. So for example, a popular one would be using uh, Next Episode by Dre, Dr. Dre. And most people know that beat. Um, I think, I hope this is where you put the beat in or dun, 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 dun. So most people know that. They they hear it and they start to get the groups. I will teach them a combo to that beat because they know it. So they'll go left, right, left, right, left. And they'll just keep going through that beat until it's almost muscle memory. So they'll feel successful at the end of a three minute, three and a half minute song 
rather than if I didn't have the tool of music, it would take them much longer to learn and harder to internalize. Right. So, and when they go out with their friends, they want to show their friends what they learned at the gym that day or show off at a party, um, show that they can box. They will just think that song and right away that combo will come back to them. So that's one one journey through the song and the fitness part. And the other part that I want to highlight is that when you've got a room of people moving to the same beat, whether it's on a bike or um, on a bed or even on a dance floor, that power, like that thrill is so huge for people. Mm-hmm. They walk out feeling reborn, like a skin's been shed. And it's so, so cool. And to me, that is really big part of just living life and being you know this amazing bag of water and bones that we are it's so such a cool part of what we are yes oh i love that now here's here's my question with the peloton and all of these other things being you know really popular right now do you feel like people can get that same vibe while they're at home if you're like on your peloton bike for example or on whatever thing and you know that there's a thousand other people doing the class with you in real time, but they're not in the room. Can you still get that same, like, we're all in this vibe? Because I, I remember, I know exactly what you, as you were talking about that, I was like, I remember being in spin classes. And yeah, like that, that right. feeling is amazing. The group energy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, th- there's maybe a few more variables to consider when comparing the two. Is the class in real time or... Is it uh, recording? So are you doing it live? So for example, on in the music space, Twitch is really popular with DJs right now. It's a little, waning a little bit as the pandemic um, shifts in its intensity, but it might be back. Um, so the real-time stuff has almost an in-person thrill to it because you're all there really connecting, um, so same in the Peloton space, if it's real time, but if it's pre-recorded and you're doing it later, it's kind of like being with cardboard cutouts. Like you're not really with the people. Yep. Um, so it doesn't have that same, that extra level up as a real experience. So yeah, real time experiences, whether digital or in person, they're more elevated than pre-recorded um, and not in real life experiences it's hard to get that motivation, that group energy, that group energy is huge. Yeah. How did you get through the last couple of years? Because I feel like so much of what you love and like what gives you energy is these group things. And how was it not having any of them for so long? The, uh, I found, I searched it out online, I suppose there's, and that's how I got really involved in sharing my music on Twitch and training at the music gym on Twitch. Also in the fitness space, when everyone moved to online streaming, within a week of our gym closing, the gym that I was a part of, within a week of it closing due to the pandemic, we had online classes going. And our first class, I remember I was teaching an old school hip hop boxing class. There were 400 people signed up. I mean, it died like after six months or a year, it went down to 10 or 20 people. But at the beginning, everyone was thirsty for that connection. And um, like, what an interesting reveal about us as humans that that was what happened. But um, so the internet was a real good replacement or a a close 
replacement to all that in-person connection. So I appreciate platforms like Zoom or Twitch. And Twitch is really interesting because it's gamified. So it has this other level of luring you into this space. And for those that don't know what Twitch is, it's um, just a website you go to like any other website, you type it into your browser and it is live streaming of mostly video games, people playing video games. There's a huge music component and you can support the artist. You can buy subscriptions, you can gift bits, you can cheer. And there's a chat that's running the whole time. So you find the same people kind of go to the same artist. So you feel like you're actually traveling and meeting these people and the connections become quite real. Um, just as I would say more than on social than like an Instagram platform or Facebook platform. It's a little more sticky because you're experiencing something together in real time. So that was a, a big, a big piece of getting through the pandemic for me. Yeah, lots of great things to do online. I doubled down on on being online with music. Yeah, you must be pretty excited though that you're back to real life for a lot of stuff. James, I live in a province where it's all systems go right now. So there's no restrictions. Um, the first big event back was a, I think there were, the capacity was about 5,000 people, um, a 5,000 person event outdoors in a tent but it was still I, I can't even imagine it <laughs> it was wild it felt like um it felt like you were at just a wild event um all cross sections of people together too and everyone played really nice <laughs> there was like the bottle service people there was the underground people and everyone was just so kind and and great to each other that was this confluence of styles and it was um, amazing in person for sure um yeah, and I feel so lucky to have a job and a career where I am with people as much as I am. And I love immersive experiences. I think that's why I'm in this creative space and marketing. Um, but all my history as an athlete, transitioning to a sports announcer, transitioning to a DJ producer, while always kind of having this business thread running through me, it's all um, about being around people. and um I'm yeah just so grateful for for that because that's really what it all comes down to is just the crew we have around us and how we uh, take care of each other I love it um, and on the note of of people that you're around uh, you're the creative director at kinetics so what what drew you to that brand like how did you end up there because that's sort of this interesting <laughs> kind of intersection I guess of all of this tech stuff that we're kind of talking about and the the sport world so yeah, yeah. How did that come about which is i'm it's so i'm so pumped on what kinetics is doing and yes yeah, it's, it's data driven it so coming from a background where everything is more emotion and hard to quantify going to be in the space where everything is quantifiable and that the data matters so much and the the quality and reliability of the data is critical um it's such a shift, but I'm so excited about it because it is the evolution. And the more I work in music, the more um, it is a pattern. I think I've mentioned that maybe too many times, but you can almost predict how a song will go. Although if a song is too predictable, people don't react to it well. So you don't want it to be robotic, but, um, but there are just some patterns that we're drawn to, some patterns that we create in our movement. 
that will reveal a lot to us about our bodies and in the context of kinetics um, will help manage or reduce injury. It will help prolong your performance. So whether you're an everyday athlete, just staying active in your day-to-day life, um, or you're an elite athlete that's pushing the boundaries of what human form can do on a world stage. So um, it's really cool to be part of the kinetics team. And for your listeners, it's a technology that is, it's imperceptible, something that lives inside of your running shoe or your shoe. It's a sensory insole and it will unlock a ton of data for you um, that is currently really off limits, even at the highest levels. So it's going to be sort of, you know, we've got this space of wearables right now, tech wearables and sports is going to take that and just like rocket ship it to the next level. And it'll be so cool to see where this is at in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited about that. That's going to be really interesting. Um, and then the last thing I want to touch on is sort of this very weird question that I admit I did not prep you on. So get ready for it. Um, you have, I, we talk a lot about athlete identity uh, in the show, on our site, everywhere. And I keep thinking all the time about this idea of dueling identities, I guess. And for you, if I look at your Instagram, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so jealous because she's like wildly stylish and so cool, but also is, is this athlete. And I think that's amazing. How do you, how do you have like the DJ identity and the athlete identity sort of go together and as someone who came from a fashion journalism background, like that's what I actually did before I got into endurance sport, but then I got into endurance sport and completely gave that identity up in favor of the endurance sport thing. And I struggle so hard to kind of come back to that at all because I I feel like they kind of are opposing identities, but it seems like you've figured out a way to kind of like meld a lot of these different identities together. So any thoughts, advice, theories, I don't even know. Um, I, that question has been on my mind a lot in, in the years leading up to like kind of what you see right now. I think that's a real common thought for, for people. Um, I don't know if it's more common for women than it is for men. I'm going to say um, it is. Worrying about your identity. You're going to say it is. Yeah. Um, and there's maybe a time where you had to really compartmentalize who you were, um, especially being in the sports space. I really downplayed or never mentioned I worked in entertainment space because I felt like there would be stigma around being part of that world and then being the sports world. Although my initial creative job was with Red Bull Canada as a marketing manager. And that was definitely sport entertainment, like last call, first chair. And for those of you that don't know what that means, you shut the bar down, but you're up first with your athletes. You do the whole thing. You're, you're running that whole life, all cylinders. And it was embraced in that space because it was just the, the brand vibe. But um, I think there was a period where you you wouldn't reveal all the dimensions of who you were. And I think um, what I love about social media now or, or where our society has evolved is you can be totally embraced and reveal who you are. And um, if you have a fashion background, you um, should flex that in your sports because there'll be people that really connect with that I would really connect with that and I think uh, that's who I'm drawn to in the sports space is the active creative I love um, that combination it just fires me up and uh, the more true you are to yourself you uh, will find your people more clearly and it's really 
challenging to do. So your question's still valid. I still think through it. I also think about things like um, what my how my age impacts being in this space. How much do I reveal about talk about that? Um, and how interested is my music audience and my fitness stuff? And I think uh, I I don't can't really think about it so much through their lens as this is authentic me. And if you put that out, that's what will resonate with people. I love it. The active creative might be my new favorite phrasing. I feel like so many run clubs are like that, though. The ones, um, or maybe just the ones I keep stumbling upon, but they're really rooted in music, music mm-hmm. culture, and their style reflects that. There's a there's a few new running brands out there that really uh, are very clear in what sort of vibe they're going for like a real punk rock vibe although this particular running brand i'm thinking of sells their shorts for 300 dollars, so i don't know how punk rock that is but but they have uh they've really committed to a certain aesthetic and they're totally gonna find their people so um i think it's important to be yeah just stay true uh but don't stay put like use use your genuine self to propel you forward and at the end of the day that's what you're gonna be that's what will make you proud so back to our it's all hard work doing it and not doing it's effort but choose the route that makes you proud so being you know your true self but yeah I think it was an evolution where it had to be had to be like okay because I definitely wasn't the first to do that and I feel like there could be maybe more active um content in in my artist page as well and I think as kinetics enters market there'll be there'll be more of that um as I'm excited to share the data All right. Well, you're inspiring to me. So tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs and keep up with everything that you're doing. Well, I appreciate you having me on here and for everyone listening this far. um, I hope to continue my work in music. I really want to extend it beyond DJing and and really blend music and movement down the road in some sort of therapy format. So follow that journey along. I mean, that's going to be a long journey. But um, you can find me on Instagram at Joanna Magic, and I stream on Twitch, and I have lots of mixes out, and um, I'm very easy to find on the internet. It's just Joanna Magic, spelled M-A-G-I-K. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I'm so glad we, we made this happen. I'm glad our paths crossed. Yeah, Molly, thank you. It's so cool. Thanks for creating this platform for everybody. I love the consummate athlete, what I love, like just reading about it, like making, finding the fun again in sport. And that was such a, a line that really stood out for me because uh, we lose that part as we get older. So I thought that was really cool to highlight that. It's so fun. It's Thank so fun you, to yes. move. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week. <laughs>